0: All right, guys, we thought we'd just slide in a little disclaimer here. We were recording before the Comets game even started, and we didn't know that Michael Furland was going to leave that game, and that's exactly what happened. Michael Furland left Friday night's game with concussion-like symptoms, and really, you just have to feel for the guy, like, you know... He's been cleared twice now, and both times he's leaving with concussion-like symptoms. And I know this time, something I talked about in that little rant was how excited I was to see him because he sounded so confident that he was healthy, and the concussion specialist I spoke to sounded so confident that he was, you know, once you get all those wor- working and every all the sections of the brain that I talk about in there, um, once you get all those working, you're really good to go. Like It's a
3: treatable injury, but something's still not right, and you just you
0: just feel for the guy
3: that's the unfortunate thing and obviously you know as we're recording this um we did our Brandon Bachelor interview prior but we did part 2 you know, right before we were about to talk to Corey, which was right when the Comets game actually started, we talked to Corey in the second intermission. So you're going to hear a lot more Furlan talk uh, in the ride in the bus segment this week. But I think, like, yeah. So right after the bachelor interview, we talked about it for two minutes without knowing the situation that happened. Not like we said anything bad, but we just wanted to address that yeah, you know, we yeah. didn't know what was going on at the time. We were we were excited because we're like, oh man, we get to finally see Furlan. Hopefully, yeah. he can stay healthy, get through these two games, uh, and we're just excited to see what has for the future. So unfortunately, uh, he comes out of the game with concussion-like symptoms. I don't know what that means at this point, because when we talked to Corey in the ride in the bus, I mean, you guys will hear it. He wasn't really involved in any hits. He was just kind of playing yeah. his game. He missed the puck a few times. Corey mentioned he was a little bit, you know, looked like he was out of the pace of play. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe he wasn't, you know, experiencing major concussion symptoms. We'll hear more of that. I'm sure this weekend. Uh, but yeah, we did talk about certain situations of just what we we're hoping for, for the future, what we're hoping for, for the weekend. And from Friday's night's game, you know all we can really say is we hope that he can is he like is he able to get back to full health you know as for him and his family i know he's just had a second child uh so yeah we're just going to get right into the episode after this little disclaimer unless there's anything you want to add quads nope all that's right enough. so let's get into the episode we had a banging episode this week uh featuring brennan bachelor as well if you guys saw we did a live pack opening thanks to our friends at zephyr Epics. so yeah this is a two-minute disclaimer a little bonus uh, stuff at the start? Bonus disclaimer. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good stuff. This is, what, uh, this is what people want. All right, let's get right into the episode. Cue the intro. Can
0: you see it?
1: Did you notice? The puck comes right to Pedersen, who tries a bank pass for Besser. In with a shot, he scores!
0: moment's notice. It I will cover the Canucks. Yeah. I cover Quinn Hughes and what he's doing to the
3: Canucks. By, my Just wave the guy and get Demko involved. I wanted him in and down. Day. Wow.
2: We should do a radio show together. <laughs> 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 right on. I want to fist bump you right now.
1: Thurl steals. Cutting in. Shoots. Scores.
2: all the good stuff on the off air let's go
3: Hello Canucks fans, welcome back to another episode of the Canucks Conversation presented by the great folks at Parallel 49 Brewing. My name is Chris Favor, and thank you for joining us this week for episode 66. Joining me now to hop in on the episode is David Quadrelli, my co-host. How are you doing Quads? Good man, I'm very excited. Uh, I'm excited. I'm more excited than you because today was announced that uh, I am getting my Botchford night uh, next week. Hell Wednesday. yeah, man. Yeah, I've known for a couple days, uh, obviously, so I was keeping it kind of secret, but as soon as I think the moment that you had earlier when Kat Botchford follows you on Twitter, you kind of know what's coming oh, next. Oh, yeah. Uh, so let, let's start right there because it's, it's going to be such a fun day. I'm there on Wednesday against the Wild. What uh, what advice would you have for me?
0: Well, here's the thing I've been doing. I don't know, like I haven't talked about it much, but basically every time JPAD announces a Botchford Project person. I've DM'd the person and said, hey, if you have any questions you're too scared to ask the big guys, I'm totally available. Um, And I've been offering that to, I think I've done it for everybody, and I've tried to. uh, Sorry to the one person maybe I forgot about, (laughs) but I've been doing it to, like, you know, I don't know most of these people, um, but, you know, we're all Botchford, Botchford Project family members now, so... Yeah, I try and look out for everybody, and, you know, I had a lot of questions that I didn't ask, and it was funny, because going into it, like, JPAT, pat Drance, they were all telling me, they're like, well, this is the first time, so hopefully everything goes smoothly. And, like, it was a, definitely a learning experience for the future ones. They, they learned some stuff that they should change for the future ones, so I'm sure by now they've got it down to a science. But, yeah, it was kind of like a guinea pig for the first one. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I, I definitely had a lot of questions I was too scared to ask. So I've just been trying to offer that to everybody. So if you have any questions, Chris, I'm right here.
3: Yeah, I appreciate that. I think I'm excited because, you know, a lot of these people that have gone through the Botcher Project haven't really had an opportunity to do other stuff with the Canucks, but I've been to training camp, and I think that was, like, you know, going into training camp, I was so nervous because I didn't really know what I was getting myself into. I didn't know how to ask questions. It was similar to you at the first media day, I still right? don't. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's... But I think once you get, like, the first thing out of the way, I feel like this is going to be a lot yeah. more smooth, and which I'm excited for because... You know, I got uh, the article that I'm writing. I've actually been writing it for a couple months already, just kind of every couple weeks, adding something to it. Uh, I'll be sitting there late at night, and I'll think of, like, a line that I want to include. So this article that I'm working on is, is I think, the best work that I've ever done. Um, I, I think I'm just going to announce it here on the podcast. Like, the, the article that I'm working on is exactly what... Uh, Jason Bosher did last year when he wrote that huge article, the one, the only article he ever asked us to retweet uh, was the one about how Elias Patterson changed everything in Vancouver. That's what I'm going to be writing about, uh, but about Jason Bosher changing the media landscape in Vancouver because since he passed away, we were you know, given probably a new podcast every single week, it seemed like at the start of the year, you know, so many people came out of the out of the woodwork and started blogging, and it was super awesome to see a lot of these new faces pop up on Canucks Twitter this year because it was uh, it was getting stale for a little bit there. It was like the same people for yeah. a couple of years, but. Uh, I'm excited to write that article. I've wrote a lot about it already. I want to get some quotes out of Patterson because, obviously, he was emotional uh, when he got his Calder Trophy last year and talked about Jason Boshford, so I'm wondering what he has to say. And uh, I, I was talking to j about it, and I asked, and I don't know why I didn't even think of this, but remember hearing last year on the PatCast, like, Bosh had his four guys that he went to, right? He went to Besser, he went to uh, Patterson, yeah. he went to Hughes, and... Uh, I guess he went to Stetcher. I think Stetcher was the fourth yeah, one, right? Stetcher fourth. So that's kind of what j said. Like, go up, talk to those guys because they kind of had the most relationship. They talked to Bosch the most. So I'm super excited to write this article. Uh, um, I've already talked to Durant about it, talked to Harm about it, talked to Wyatt about it, the guys that are kind of carrying the torch from what Bosch did last year. So I'm super stoked to put this article out. It's gonna, I think it's going to be the best work I've ever done. And, uh, yeah, like I said, excited to follow in your footsteps. But it's been a huge week, quads. Like, not only that, that's huge for me, but for both of us – uh, thanks to our friends uh, Doug and Pete from the Canucks Speak podcast. They invited us to go to the Sedin Retirement Night. So, I mean, let's just get started right there. What did you think about the ceremony? Well,
0: first I'll say you don't need any help for the Boschford Project. I'm not reaching <laughs> out to you and asking if you need help because you're going to be just fine. And I'm very excited for that article, That's I must funny. say. But, yeah, Sedin Week, man. Holy cow. Could it have gone any more perfectly for the Canucks? I don't think so. That Chicago game where they actually retired the jersey, the speech man like kevin bx was doing a stand-up comedy routine and it was awesome and like you know you don't usually see teams allow like it to be a funny event you know what i mean like they'd be more so like okay let's let's stick to the book let's keep it like really formal but you know bx even said he's like i know what you're not supposed to say and then he went ahead and said (laughs) all those things that you're not supposed to say which i i thought was really cool that the organization let him be himself and then yeah there's so many people like so many grudges had to be Put to rest for one night, and you know, like all the former GMs sitting next to each other. Are you kidding me? Like that was, it was, it was really nice to see everybody put their grievances aside for Daniel and Henrik.
3: Yeah, and I think you know a huge touching thing. Speaking of Botch, was seeing Mike Gillis wear that Botchford pin. I mean, that was incredible that he was doing that. He wore the Pavel Dementyev pin and. I think it was Rick Rippin was the last one that he wore. Wow, it I didn't even see games. that. I had no idea. It was either Rippin or Bordeaux. I'm guessing it was Rippin because I don't know if <laughs> he was involved with the Canucks at the time with Bordeaux, but he was he was wearing three pins for guys that passed away, and I think that was an incredible touch by Mike Gillis. Um, but yeah, like uh, the seating arrangement was kind of funny. You saw Trevor as yeah, far yeah. away from that yeah. as possible. Yeah, uh, yeah, That was definitely one that was noted. But that's the thing. Like, the Sedins get their jerseys retired, and a lot of people are just talking about not the Sedins. You know, like... Kessler. It was, it was great. Yeah, exactly. A lot of talk about Kessler. That was, a lot of people wanted to cheer in the arena. Everyone around us was like, you better cheer for Kessler. Like, I'm wearing my Kessler jersey. And I saw a lot of Kessler jerseys, probably more than I've ever seen at a game. Uh, but it was just an incredible night. Like, all in all, to celebrate what the scenes have been able to do, uh, I thought they did a great job. The funny thing was, 55 people were on the ice, 33 plus 22. Like, the fact that these numbers had up were just ridiculous with the city There was that video clip of them doing the exact same motions as they're adjusting their seats. Yeah, yeah. But, like, from start to finish, going and just seeing those jersey go up into the rafters, like, what were your thoughts as it was kind of being raised from the ice?
0: Holy cow, i got to film this. Yeah. <laughs> when am I ever going to see another jersey retirement live, right? Mm-hmm. That was like, because, you know, we were talking to Babs last night. Who's the next Canuck to get his jersey retired? Oh, actually, this will be on this episode. <laughs> You'll hear that later, but we talk about who's going to be the next Canuck to get their jersey retired. Um, yeah. So, you know, when are you going to see that, right? Is it going to be like a Luongo, a Kessler, or a Hughes? Like, there's a lot of lot of people that think that it could be Quinn Hughes, and that that's interesting to hear, but that was my reaction was, okay, I might not see this for another 20 years. I got to f- record this right now. It was the day after my birthday. I was stoked, man, and yeah. it was really, like, the, I think the audio clip that they played over um while the over the speakers while yep. the jerseys were going up was very touching it started with Burke uh obviously uh with the draft announcement and I thought that was really really cool
3: mm-hmm. man it was it was like a perfect night uh all in all like you know, we, we got an opportunity, we knocked down Batch for this interview, which, yeah, thank you for bringing up because I did a horrible job introducing it. Uh, Brendan Bachelor, voice of the Vancouver Canucks on SportsNet 650. He'll be joining us here on this episode. Uh, we sat down with him for, I think, close to 40 minutes. We're going to air part of it here on the podcast, and the rest of the full interview will be available to the folks on the Patreon page. So if you want to get involved with that, slash Canucks Convo. But yeah, let's keep talking about the city night because not only was the ceremony incredible, but the game by Jacob Markstrom almost matched it because yeah. 49 saves from Jacob Markstrom. Uh, I was showing you with, like, a couple minutes left. I'm like, I'm not going to say it, but I got this stat ready to go. If he gets yeah, to 40, yeah. 47 saves, I believe, that's the new record. He gets to 49, sets a career, I mean, a franchise record for most saves in a shutout game for a Vancouver Canucks goaltender. With 49, like, what did you think of the night for him? Because we were obviously at the game and the ceremony was so much to take in, but, like, we were even looking at each other before the game starts, like, "Oh, damn! Like, we still have a game to play after what we just saw." So, what did you like from the game? What were some of your takeaways?
0: You know what was ringing through my head when I was thinking about Markstrom and the Sedin's during that whole game was, "You're so cool. You're so cool. <laughs> You're so cool." Like, Markstrom was unbelievable in that game, and obviously, the twins' speech itself was just. Yeah, it, it wasn't really tear-jerking like you and I talked mm-hmm. about at the rink. It wasn't like anything to make you cry, even though we thought it totally would be. We thought we had the Kleenex ready to go. I know, we were ready to go. But uh, <laughs> no, it was, a, it was a really nice speech. And then to follow it up with that performance from Jacob Markstrom, like we're going to get into it later with the Zephyr Epic Player of the Week segment, but I think everybody knows who it's going to be. Like Jacob <laughs> Markstrom was absolutely outstanding in that game. And all of a sudden, people are talking about him for the Vesna. Some people are talking about him for the heart. Like... You have to you have to put some respect on this guy's name. Yeah,
3: I completely agree. When he comes out and makes a save, and you know, I guess Chicago's known as one of the teams that fires a lot of shots on net from all over the place, but Jacob Marks made some huge saves. There was early in the second period, he made a huge stop on Patty Kane, I believe it was, like right in the slot. That's a guy who put, has put a lot of goals past Vancouver Canucks goaltenders. He's he's playing to a certain point, and this is where the discussion has to go, with okay, the Canucks they can't play every game where they give up forty-nine shots and get twenty of them owned. 20 of their own. They win that game 3 nothing. but does the table start to turn or do they just have to keep riding what Markstrom's doing and this is how they're going to be a playoff team?
0: Well, they have to tighten up defensively, and I don't think anybody in the Canucks organization is saying anything other than that. They want to tighten up defensively. They can rely on Markstrom, the goaltender's a part of the team, right? And Markstrom, if he can continue playing like this, yeah, they can ride him into a playoff series, absolutely no problem. But then what happens if he has a bad night, right? We're just going to see him get absolutely lit up and the team's not going to have much of a pushback. But that being said, there's times where Markstrom is in his sharpest, and I feel like on nights like that, the Canucks come out firing, and Mm -hmm. they get him some run support, and that's all they have to do is get him some run support. It's like... He can help you a lot. He can steal you games. He's stolen more than any other goaltender in the league, as per Kevin Woodley. But I re- would really like to see the team tighten up in front of him and maybe not, uh, you know, make him make so many saves because then all of a sudden you're worrying about injuries and all this stuff. But it was pretty interesting. Today on the on the morning show on 1040, they were talking about how uh, Mark... I mean, Drancer was on, by the way. Yeah, Drancer. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know if you listened to this, but he was talking about... Uh, how Markstrom, people never worried about him really getting hurt because he's so big, but he's so quiet in the net now. Like, he used to be, like, kind of throwing himself all over the place when he was a younger goaltender. He was a top goaltending prospect. Uh, but now he's really calmed his feet down. He's got steady feet now, and he kind of just, he's so big, he just plops down, and he's taken up a lot of the yeah. net, right? So. Yeah, I'd like to see them tighten up in front of Markstrom for sure. But, I mean, hey, if it ain't broke, don't fix it.
3: Yeah, that's the thing. Like, if it was a player that was doing this and, like, carrying the Canucks for games, I think it'd be different. But when you look at a playoff series and you go into a playoff series with Jacob Markstrom and they have to beat Markstrom four times, like, that can make a huge difference. How many times have we seen goaltenders go off in runs in the playoffs and get their team there, right? I mean, like, to think that Jacob Markstrom is going to have four bad games out of seven, is something that we would have thought of a couple of years ago. But yeah. now that we're at this point right now, seeing what Jacob Marks has been able to do, like, straight up, we can look at the last five games. Even in the three losses, he was close to 900 save percentage. He's making, like, 42 saves against against Boston, uh, 49 out of 49, obviously, against Chicago. He makes 36 of 38 against Nashville. Like, these are damn good numbers. And if he can put up numbers like this in a playoff series, I know that people are saying Vegas is the only team in the Pacific that can give him a run. But man, if if Markson's playing at a level that Flurry was playing at the other year, like in the first year for Vegas, yeah. why not the Vancouver Canucks be the team that gets that final four out of the Pacific Division? Because the new format in the playoffs is the Canucks have to play the other teams Pacific Division to get to the final four, right? There's going to be a team from the Pacific that's going to be in the final four. There's going to be a team uh, from the Metro that's going to be in the final four, Central, and then obviously in Atlantic. Like there's going to be one from each of the divisions getting in there. So we don't have to run into a St. Louis Blues or a Colorado Avalanche until the Western Conference Final. Like, mm-hmm. we only are going to have to run into teams like the Oilers, the Knights, the Flames, the Coyotes, and then the wildcard team, whether that be, you know, a team from the Central or from the Pacific. Those are the only teams you have to worry about before you get to Final Four. And then you get to Final Four, I know the playoffs are long, you got to win 16 games to win a Stanley Cup. But you get to the Final Four, you just got to win eight games. And then you're a Stanley Cup champion. I know that's crazy, like, to think about and look yeah. that far in advance, but the Pacific, this is the year for the Vancouver Canucks, and I know that this is something we'll have to talk about a little bit later, but, you know, the trade deadlines approach, actually, we have some time now, let's talk about the trade deadline, and yeah. what you think, because there's been a lot of talk around on radio stations right now, about, you know, is this the year where the Canucks should do a Columbus Blue Jackets, and go no. <laughs> all in? Okay, so what do you think for this, I mean, the trade deadline, we've talked about it a lot in the past couple of weeks, yeah. but, you know, they keep winning, they keep getting themselves higher in the Pacific, you think that a GM would want to add a player. A hundred percent,
0: sure, but... What the Canucks have right now is special. They've got a lot of guys in the room who enjoy playing for each other. They've got good leaders in JT Miller, Bo Horvat. And, you know, as Jim Benning said, he already paid a deadline price to acquire JT Miller, right? Mm-hmm. And that's paid off dividends. He's been a huge part of the team. If if you're, if you're it's not Jacob Markstrom, I would say JT Miller's been their MVP so far. And, you know, there's Quinn Hughes as well in that conversation. But JT Miller has been absolutely outstanding for the Canucks. And he's a player who, in the playoffs, is going to Im- improve his game like he's going to be a player that you want to have for a playoff run and I really like what he's done with Elias Pedersen and hopefully Brock Besser can get healthy soon um, and he'll be on back on that line for a playoff run but I'm really excited to see what this team can do in the playoffs I just don't know what they'd go out and acquire maybe a winger for Bo Horvat. so you're not running Louis Erickson on in a playoff series that makes sense I guess but you just have to you can't go all in and try and acquire like big names because I think it's just such a fine line, right? You want to keep the chemistry in the room. You want to keep the future, because this team's only going to get better, man. Like, there is, like, Vasily Pod coming, Niels Holglander's coming, Cole Lind, even, our friend of the show. He's coming up soon. And it's. You just don't. You don't want to th- mortgage the future to make a cup run this year, because the core right now is all in their early 20s, right? So they're only going to get better, and I don't think now's the now's the time. Maybe in a few years they can follow the Here's, Columbus i got to cut
3: you off and just see what you have to say about this, because Jacob Markstrom isn't in his early 20s, and he's the guy who's the MVP of this team. He's 29 years old. Does that make a case for them to go out and say, maybe we should go all in? We have Markstrom playing the best hockey of his, of his career. This might be the best season of Jacob Markstrom's career moving forward. I don't know.
0: That's a good point, but how much faith do you have in Markstrom of repeating this next year, right? Because yeah, pretty here, good. Here, here's I'd the say thing: good. I'd say I'd say they're pretty good because yeah. he's really like you know he he was a top goaltending prospect and he's finally put it all together. Mm-hmm. Took some time, took some work with Ian Clark, who's a world class goaltending coach, and he's finally put it all together. I don't see you know, last year there was a lot of worry that last year was going to be a one-and-done year. Markstrom has put all of that out the window this year. Like, he has looked better than he did last year. And if you're of the belief that he has really cleaned up the technical parts of his game and he's done what he needs to do in order to be successful, I'm really confident that Markstrom is going to be just fine for the next, like, three years, whatever it may be. I don't know how long they're going to sign him for, but uh, (laughs) it'll be... It'll be interesting to see what they sign him to, for sure. Yeah, I mean... With that in mind,
3: that is. Yeah, and I think that with Markstrom's situation, like, for me, it's hard to, like, say this about a player, especially not being inside there or anyone, but Markstrom seems like the guy that takes that discount to be with a team that wants to win. You know, he sees the core in Vancouver. I wonder how much, like, they say that the Canucks are far away from a deal with him. I heard Bob McKenzie talking about it. Um, He said that, you know, the Canucks are looking for three years. Markstrom's camp should be looking for four or five um, and obviously the agent's doing a good job plugging that into Bob McKenzie's ear to get that out there on TSN because everybody in Canucks Twitter saw that. You know, we saw that uh, they were reporting, I think it was on Overdrive or something, yeah. uh, one of the TSN radio stations over there. Or no, it was it was insider trading. So it was on television, national-wide, and Bob McKenzie's reporting that. Would the Canucks, like, with Jacob Markstrom, I think he's he's with a huge agency as well. Newport, yeah. Newport, All right, exactly. So that's a huge agency. They're not going to... They're not the type of people that take discounts. No, but I feel like Jake, Jacob Markstrom is the type of player that wants to be here with this core. He doesn't want to be a guy that's exposed at the at the Seattle draft. But now it's like I feel like it's flipped a lot in the past month or so because we were talking about you know signing Markstrom to that deal and being like, yeah, but you can you can still expose him. You know, and then we'll make a decision with Demko and Markstrom then. But I feel like what we've seen over the past couple of weeks and all this heart conversation, all this Vesna conversation, like, are you on the boat right now that's saying like. Okay, Markstrom, even if we have him until he's 34, 35 years old, if he's making 5.5 plus, like I'm okay with that? Are you sitting in that camp yet or no?
0: No, I'm not. And you know when I'll be okay with it? After we see what he does in the playoffs. Yeah. I've never seen Jacob Markstrom play a playoff game. And that's something that this team is going to need to know about their starting goaltender, <laughs> is that he can handle a playoff game. Now, I don't think there's anything, you know, with Markstrom's mental game that would say that he can't be, um, be that guy in the playoffs. Like I think he's going to be very good in the playoffs don't get me wrong but I need to see it with my own eyes first before I make a decision on what I really want to see the Canucks do in the future you know what I mean and you know it was a lot easier two months ago to say yeah Thatcher Demko's younger he's played really well well now Thatcher demkos you know he's had had some concussion problems it's just you, you look at it and you wonder like okay let's say they let Jacob Markstrom walk in free agency which neither side wants to happen as far as we know Who's the backup then? They'd have to sign somebody. And, you know, there's some free free agents that are going to be available for sure. But I just worry because you're one injury to Thatcher Demko away from losing your starter and having to ride out this backup that you signed in free agency and it's yeah. just it, it really worries me uh, to to imagine a Canucks team without
3: Jacob Markstrom right now because he is the reason that they're in the spot that they're in well that that brings up a conversation to have for this season of you know Thatcher Demko is not getting a lot of games right he's in, especially the past little bit you know Travis Green is running with the hot hand he's running with Jacob Markstrom do we need to see a lot more of Thatcher Demko as we kind of wrap up here? Because the Canucks, the way that they're kind of pulling away with the Pacific Division, I mean, if they keep winning at the rate that they're winning at over the past couple months, you're going to see them start to stretch out that lead even more, right? I mean, they're in a great spot right now. I believe that they're at a spot with um, somewhere like 90... Yeah, I think they're just above 90% right now to finish in the playoffs, which is a great spot to be in for the Vancouver yeah, Canucks. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so ninety. Sorry, 95.8% the Canucks are to make the playoffs. That's from Sports Club Stats, uh, who do a great job with all this playoff updates. So 95% they're making the playoffs. When do we start to see 50-50 time with Thatcher Demko, or do we ever see that?
0: I don't know if we're going to see it. And I, I think, you know, we say, do we need to see more of Thatcher Demko? I think we need to see more from Thatcher Demko. I think every start he has needs to blow the socks off. Management, fans, everybody watching, he's got to start putting together some starts like Jacob Markstrom has. Because Markstrom has been that guy for the Canucks, and he's been he's been who they can turn to. You know, like I'm not blaming Thatcher Demko for the loss against Carolina. That was a shootout, right? Yeah, yeah, shootout. And he he's had a good save percentage in those games, and he lost those two games in um, in Florida there. But I just I don't know if I've seen enough of that from Thatcher Demko to say. <laughs> that, yeah, for sure, he can just be
3: the starter. I just, I I don't know yet. The ridiculous thing is, we look at his last three games, and like you mentioned, the shootout against Carolina, he makes 29 of 32 saves. The game before that against the St. Louis Blues, he makes 36 out of 37 saves. And -hmm. then the game against the San Jose Sharks, he makes 17 of 18. So he's allowed five goals in his last three games, which is incredible numbers. And like you mentioned, yeah, Yeah. the tough game against Florida, he faced almost 50 shots that game. Uh, He came in relief with the Tampa game. So, like, Demko's played well too, but man, he's only played, I guess, what three games in the past three weeks, almost now, maybe four yeah. weeks.
0: Yeah, they like they they got to get him some playing time if they want to see more from
3: him this year. I just don't know if they're in a rush to this mm-hmm. year. Does it scare it's... you though with Markstrom? Because think about like the fact that Markstrom playing all these games and already has this amount of games. He's also traveled back to Sweden twice. Like the the game the days off that he's having aren't days off. Like he's. He had to go back to Sweden. He's not actually getting days off like we're seeing a starter would regularly get. Yeah. Like, I just feel like, I don't know if Jake Marshall could keep holding up this long.
0: Yeah, I don't know. And that's the thing is he doesn't have much of an injury history. And he's like, you know, and again, like I said, they were talking about it this morning. He's a quiet goaltender in the crease. Like, he doesn't do things that, like... I don't want to say he's immune to getting hurt, knock on wood, because, you know, like, anybody can get hurt. You can't predict injuries. But I'm liking what I'm seeing from Jacob Markstrom in terms of the way he plays doesn't look like he could pull anything. Like, you look at Luongo. Let's mm-hmm. compare Luongo's style, right? Yeah. Kick save and a beauty, stretching across the crease. You just don't see that too, too much from Jacob Markstrom. So and Jacob Markstrom does the stack pads. That's exactly, why you yeah, yeah, exactly. You stack the pads, whatever you got to do. <laughs> I just... Man, like this conversation is one that's—it's so tough to have it right now because I really think you need to see more from Thatcher Demko, and I don't think we're going to see it till next season. If I'm being honest with right. you, and I think it's inevitable right now that the Canucks are going to sign Jacob Markstrom to a like at least a four-year deal. I think that's inevitable.
3: Yeah, and I think that the best part, like you mentioned, it's—it's it's hard to have this conversation, but it's so great that we are because Jacob Markstrom has got this team into a playoff spot. He's got them into leading the Pacific. Um, it's just great to have this conversation because it's, you know, we're having an argument, we're having a discussion, but it's, it's a very champagne problem to have. And I think yeah. when you start to have multiple champagne problems on an NHL team, that's when you're a playoff team. And that's what we're having, right? We're having to say, like, Oh, is Justin Bailey bring a lot to a fourth line, even though he's only playing 70 minutes a game? Oh, do we have too good of goaltending? Yeah, like it's, exactly. it's great to have these conversations. Uh, speaking of conversations, why don't we get to ours with our guests this week, because we continue this conversation about the Vancouver Canucks and a little bit of other things, with Brendan Batchelor of Sportsnet 650. So let's dive right into that conversation. If you guys want to check out the full version of that, you guys can be following us on our Patreon page, uh, which is patreon.com slash Canucks Convo for the full almost 40 minutes. I think you edited it, about 35 yeah, roughly like that. 35 And we get juicy as soon as we stop recording. Well, we regular, do. Yeah, we, we really got into it. a <laughs> juicy question right off the bat for him, for the Patreon listeners. Uh, so check that out. $5 will get you the bonus content. $10 will get you the Hero Tier. And t-shirts, what's the deal cost? Yeah,
0: we'll still send you a shirt. If you subscribe to the Hero Tier
3: this month, you know, it was just till
0: January, but we love you guys so much. So we'll send you guys a t-shirt, sticker, and some hockey cards. And we have some good cards, too. It was really funny. I was going through them today. And the the monthly
3: giveaway that we're going to do for these Hero guests. Um, oh, my gosh working on a new sponsor right now that has come on in their memorabilia company. Yeah. Uh, we've got some awesome stuff right off the bat for the guys. Yeah, now. it's actually insane. So like, we, we gave out the, the signed puck that was sent off to one of our guests. Do yep. you want to announce who the random person we selected was?
0: Yeah, it's Thomas Anderson. Thomas Anderson. He, the, the he right was the he was the The right uh, start on Twitter. Yeah. yeah. Thomas, if you're listening to this, you're getting that Alex Burroughs Ring yeah, of Honor night puck. Be excited for that. We did yeah. a little
3: random thing on one of these weird websites and saw. Yeah. Exactly. You know, a name popped up for us. That was yeah. Cool. Exactly.
0: You just throw all the names in, generate a name. It was Thomas. So Thomas, you get the puck. And oh, then nice. uh, in all the future months for all of our $10 Hero Tier subscribers, you will be getting a piece of Canucks memorabilia or you know something else. We we haven't really decided on everything but we
3: have some stuff for like the next like four months i think we got some awesome stuff okay so let's get to the interview now with brendan bachelor now yeah, if you want to get on the patreon check it out patreon.com slash canucks so here's our interview with brendan bachelor of sportsnet 650
0: Alright guys, joining us now is Brendan Batchelor. You can find him on Twitter at Batch Hockey and on your airwaves on Sportsnet 650. He does all the broadcasts alongside Corey Hirsch. Batch, how you doing today? I'm good. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, we're very excited to get you in studio. You know, you're doing uh, very nice. Um, you're visiting the sports broadcasting class, the class you visited for me last semester. Now yeah. you're doing Faber's class, which is just hilarious. And now we have you in studio. So yeah, we're very excited to get you in here. Right on topic, though, we got to talk about the Sedin night. It was last night. We are recording this on Thursday night. What did you think of that Sedin night? What was the feel like in that arena to you? Yeah,
1: it was all absolutely unreal. It, the whole ceremony, the way the entire night sort of played out, hit all the right notes for my money. Uh, Kevin Bieksa was awesome. Just absolutely crushed that speech with no notes. Like I'm, uh, you know, obviously do a lot of of public speaking on the radio and a little bit in person, depending on things that happen. And I'm just blown away. Like I I wouldn't even be able to touch what he did last night. So that was pretty cool. Uh, And then the twins, you know, classy as ever. Uh, Great speech from them. And, uh, you know, to have all of those people in the same place at the same time in spite of the fact that a lot of those relationships are fractured, whether it's Trevor Linden uh, with the organization or Mike Gillis and Brian Burke and Dave Nonis all sitting together. Uh, the fact that all those people came and, and put all those grievances aside to be there for Daniel and Henrik, Henrik was uh, pretty cool and then uh, and then the fans were just great too, reacting to everything. They gave Kessler a great ovation. Uh, you know, They were laughing at all BX's jokes. They even laughed when the Twins brought up John Tortorella, which I thought was an under Great moment of the night, and uh, uh, yeah, overall it was uh, it was a great night. It was cool to be in the building and and a fun game to broadcast too. uh, Even though the Canucks certainly didn't show up to the same level that the Twins did in the ceremony.
0: A big topic of conversation this whole week really has been what was that reception going to be like for Kessler? And you know, Chris and I were both in the boat of we got to cheer for Kessler. Like that's you know what he did for the organization and everything. You know. Obviously, the relationship's a little bit frayed because of what happened afterward. But from your perspective, I know you can't cheer in the press box. But if you were a fan, (laughs) would you be cheering or booing Ryan Kessler?
1: I think he'd be cheering now. Basically, his career is over. I know he hasn't fully shut the door on it. But uh, with the the injury issues he's had, uh, I would imagine that we've seen him play his last game in the NHL. And so because of that you don't really think of him as a divisional opponent anymore and some of the old hurts of the way he left Vancouver kind of fade. And you think back instead to the good times, to that series against Nashville in 2011 and uh, the absolute beast he was through the playoffs that year. And the fact that You know, as much as Daniel and Henrik were a big part of that team, and so was Luongo and Alex Burrows, the Canucks wouldn't have got to where they got to without Ryan Kessler. He deserved that ovation last night. I was really happy to see it. And uh, maybe we get to see him go into the ring of honor at some point going forward. I I think he'd probably be pretty deserving of that honor if the
3: organization decides to go that route. Right. And, you know, Batch, I think it's was it your first year? doing play-by-play with Sports and 650 where they scored the final game, like the final home game for the Sedins? Like what was it like for you to be known as the guy who does the radio call for that?
1: Yeah, it, it, it was pretty cool. Um, and, you know, to come in, uh, and obviously I'd been in media circles before that season, so I'd interviewed the Sedins many times and been around them uh, around the team. But, you know, when you're uh, doing the play-by-play and traveling and, and all that stuff, you you see them more often and you talk to them more often and, you Um, They couldn't couldn't have been any any classier throughout that entire season. And then uh, and then for it to end the way it did with that overtime goal on home ice, you know, that's like the the greatest moment of my broadcasting career so far. And Uh, Certainly, I hope there'll be some more coming up here in the spring with uh, potential playoff overtime winners that uh, would be really exciting to call, too. But um, I told this story on Twitter and on the air earlier in the week. But uh, what I will always remember about the Twins and what speaks volumes to me about how classy they are and the kind of people they are was before that last game in Edmonton, after they'd scored that overtime goal at home, uh, I had a one-on-one interview with each of them before the game because it was their last game, but the Humboldt Broncos bus crash had also happened the night before, and neither of them would talk about their careers. And, you know, I, I was like, okay, you know, yes, we're going to talk about the Humboldt Broncos, but this is still your last NHL game, so I want you to talk about the emotions going into it, and neither of them would bite. They they were only saying, you know, we're just sad for the families affected by that tragedy, and the whole hockey world thinks of is thinking of those guys right now, and... um. And and that really shows, and again, we saw Henrik right off the top of his speech last night, well wishes to Jay Bomeister, a guy that was not a teammate of theirs, who they would have competed against, but probably don't know personally all that well, and yet they go out of their way to do something like that. It says everything you need to know about why they're so beloved in this city and why they always will be.
3: Right. I mean, you get a chance to do that first game some Obviously, like you mentioned, it's a highlight of your career. I'm sure last night was up there as well. But uh, I was listening to the last time you were on this show, uh, and we talked about something that you kind of had for the next milestone for you was a playoff game. And, I mean, it's going to take a colossal collapse for the Canucks to not make the playoffs yeah. right now. Uh, you know, the discussion we can maybe have a little bit later about is this team closer to being a playoff team, or are you considering more of like winning the Pacific Division? But for you, I guess just looking forward to getting to chance to be the radio play-by-play guy for a playoff Vancouver Canucks team, like how excited does that just get you?
1: Yeah, I am I mean, I'm excited to call playoff hockey, period, let alone it being Canucks playoff hockey, because I worked for the Vancouver Giants for four seasons, and they only made the playoffs in my very first year on the job, and I got swept in the first round by the Portland Winterhawks, and that Winterhawk team was really good. They had Matt Dumba, they had Nick Patan. They had Oliver Bjorkstrand, who's playing in Columbus right now. They had Brendan Leipzig. They had Derek Pouliot. Like, they were a juggernaut team, and they just crushed the Giants. Uh, and so then I did three years of no playoff hockey with the Giants, and now I've done two years of no playoff hockey with the Canucks. So uh, – very excited to to get into those games where they mean so much and when you get that feeling in the building again, and that's what I'm most excited for, and we got a little bit of a taste of it last night just because of how much energy there was because of the Sedin ceremony, but playoff hockey in Vancouver is like nothing else when you get into that rink and there's towels on every seat and then the warm-up starts and the buzz continues to pick up and then they come out for the start of the game and everyone's standing, cheering, waving the white towels. Like it, It sends shivers down my spine even talking about it now, and the fact that I might, you know, knock on wood, get a chance to be yeah. on the call this year for some very meaningful Canuck hockey games into the playoffs is, you know, it, it'll be a dream come true and I can't wait.
0: Yeah, and I know it must be exciting for you cuz kind of like since you've started with the Canucks, they've been through that rebuild and they've been you know, kind of on the upswing, but not really quite yet. I think this is the year where they're really like, they're really getting some good moments and everything, right? Like obviously there was the Sedins and then Pedersen's first game. That must've been a fun call for you as well. But what what's your favorite call so far through your Canucks broadcasting career?
1: Probably Quinn Hughes first goal actually uh, and I was asked about this on the air earlier this week too I'm not the biggest fan of my call of the the Sadine's final goal and I'm probably just being a little bit nitpicky but you are that way with your own calls um, but uh, but Quinn Hughes scored his first goal and I pulled out the come all without come all within you've not seen nothing like the Mighty Quinn uh, That's awesome. which uh, I it sort of just came to me in the moment but uh, so I enjoyed that call Uh but at the same time, as much as I could say that, there haven't been a ton of hugely meaningful moments. Uh, for this organization since I've had the chance to do the play-by-play. And yeah, you're right, Pedersen's first goal and first game was important, but uh, it's those big playoff games and those, uh, you know, overtime goals in the postseason that win a series, those are the calls that stand the test of time. Like, we still talk about slaying the Dragon or we still talk yeah. about the Greg Adams goal call from Jim Robson in 1994 to send them to the Stanley Cup Finals or the BXA goal call. Those are the ones that, um, that, that really sort of live on on with the legacy of the organization and so that's what i'm most excited to have a chance potentially to be involved with here
0: at some point so we were talking a little earlier about the ring of honor you mentioned it i gotta ask you who do you think is the next person to go into it that's tough i i Probably Ryan Kessler,
1: to be honest. Uh, I, in my opinion, Roberto Luongo deserves to have his number retired rather than go into the Mm -hmm. Ring of Honor. So I, and, you know, this is something that I actually remember talking about with the late Jason Botchford as well, and he was like a 1,000%. They've got to retire Luongo's number. He's the best goalie they've ever had. He might be the best goalie they ever will have. He deserves to be up there regardless of how things ended. Um, Mm -hmm. And I agree with him. So, uh Kessler probably, if you look at some of the, the career numbers and, and what he meant to the franchise, is a guy that that deserves to go up there. I don't know if there's anyone else from the ninety four team that you would really put in that conversation. Uh so yeah, probably Ryan Kessler would be my answer to that.
0: Chris, who do you think?
3: Uh yeah, I don't know. I mean like Kessler definitely made a big impact when he was playing. Like he was a great player when he was here, but I don't know if like the Ring of Honor is the right spot for him because I think that Ring of Honor is something that you know, Burroughs might not have had a season like we saw Ryan Kessler have, but the stuff that he did off the ice, the story that he had, that's the only thing. Like, the thing with the Ring of Honor is I think that it's a lot to do with what you did on the ice, but I think it's a lot to do with what you did off the ice. And I know that, you know, Kessler was obviously a great part of the Vancouver Canucks. The Vancouver Canucks as an organization do an amazing job in the community. Mm -hmm. But I feel like Ring of Honor, like, if he goes up there, that's going to be the one that everyone's always going to be debating, right? Like, a lot of them that you see out there now – deserve to be up there. I think a handful of them do for sure. Then you look at Kessler, I feel like that's the one that's going to split a lot of people.
1: Well, here's the thing, though, is you talk about fractured relationship with the organization and it not ending well and there being hurt feelings afterwards. You know who I could say all those things about as well? Pavel Bure. And he's got his number retired. So I, I think the more time passes, and we've already seen, obviously, the fan base gave Kessler a great reaction last night. Um, you know, already some of those hurt feelings are starting to fade. The more time passes, the more people will just look back and recognize the impact he had. Uh, you know, Selkie Trophy winner, um, just just a hugely impactful guy for this organization and a big part of the 2011 Cup run. And a guy that had the numbers that deserves to be up there as well.
3: Yeah, I mean, definitely the numbers to go up there, and the stuff that he had in that 2011 series. You talk about the Nashville and what you know, everything that he really did. Now you see him going out there, you know, almost struggling to you know walk out there just to get on the ice. Like it's he he was a warrior for sure, and I think if you look at it from that aspect, like like yeah, he deserves to be up there. But I want to. You know, we talk about the cup run. Maybe there's a cup run coming up in the future with this team right now. And I want to ask about a couple players, especially the ones that have made a huge impact this year that maybe we didn't expect to make huge impacts like they have. And I want to start with JT Miller because, you know, you've been able to call a lot of goals that have been assisted by JT Miller, scored by JT Miller, just straight up when he came in here. I mean, the trade was huge. I mean, day two of the draft, it it woke up everyone real early for that 9 o'clock start. And a lot of people were freaking out that we traded a first round, a Mm -hmm. third round pick for JT Miller. It's like, what are they doing? And now he comes in and just has this impact. Like, how surprised are you with the season that he's having so far?
1: Yeah, I'm quite surprised. Uh, Pleasantly, though. Like, he's been uh, one of their best forwards. You could argue he's been their best forward this year. Uh, He just has that drive and that that compete level that – you know, brings the players around him to another level and is gonna be critical. Like he's a he's a playoff type player. He's a stretch run type player. He plays a heavy game. He works hard. He gets in on the four check. He you know controls the puck really well and he's got that touch to score goals and set up goals as well. And because he's been there before and because he was a part of that Tampa Bay Lightning team last year that had that collapse in the first round, he's got sort of a fire in his belly that you can sense when you talk to him and that I think is going to be important that it will rub off on some of the younger players, that they might get a better understanding of the kind of hockey you need to play to have success once you get into the postseason, Uh, you know, even though he's a relatively young player in his mid-20s, Uh, he already feels like a leader in that dressing room and a guy that's taken players like Pedersen and Besser under his wing and has sort of shown them the way you need to play. He's, he's probably their most consistent player as well, where every single night, maybe he's not going to be on the score sheet every night, but you know what you're getting from him in terms of work ethic and in terms of trying to create anything that he can, um, Obviously, Jacob Markstrom's their most valuable player. Quinn Hughes is probably second on that list with the year he's had. But I would put JT Miller third, and I think I'd put him there above Elias Patterson just because of the impact he's had on this group. And I was part of the the crowd saying man first round pick a little bit too much to give up especially for a team that's rebuilding but you look at the price of some of the other deals around the league we saw a first round pick and a top prospect and Alex Galchenyuk go to Minnesota in the Jason Zucker deal and when you put it in that sort of perspective and you see a the impact Miller's had b the contract that he's on which is friendly and see the term that he's still got and I think this could be a deal, and obviously, it's going to, you know, depend on whether they make the playoffs or not, and how that lottery protection ends up working or not working. Um, but I think it's a deal that Canuck fans may look back on more fondly than we thought at first.
0: Yeah, for sure. And you mentioned Jacob Markstrom. You've kind of seen him progress, like as you've moved on with your career, you've seen Jacob Markstrom really grow right before everybody's eyes, mm-hmm. and. What have you seen recently from him in the past like year and a half that's different from when he was, you know, less consistent?
1: I, I he doesn't let his emotions get the best of him as much as he used to. Like he's a fiery competitor. He wants to win. He wants to win every single night and there were games where you could see it in his body language, not just off the ice when we speak to him in the media afterwards, but on the ice where he'd give up a goal and you you could tell that he, he was frustrated. He was unhappy with himself. There's less of that, and he's more calm in the net. And because he's more calm in the net, he's making more saves. Like, he's an athletic guy, and when he was younger in his career, he was all over the place trying to make saves, using that that, that athleticism. And in fact, he's such a big guy. That sometimes you just calm down, you stay in the middle of the net, you let the puck hit you, which again sounds simple. And certainly I'm not a goalie guru, I wouldn't be able to get into the technical side of things as much as a guy like Alex Alder, even Corey Hirsch would be able to. But That's what I see is I see a guy that's calm in the net. I see a guy that has a good economy of movement so that he's filling as much of the net as possible. He's not sliding out of position. He's not having to make incredibly athletic saves. And as a result, he's stopping more pucks. And, uh, you know, it doesn't mean he doesn't have to lean on that athleticism sometimes, especially when the Canucks give up like cross crease passes for tap-ins at the back door and he finds a way to move laterally to get to them. But uh, in terms of... Uh, Him as a person, I think he's matured a lot in the way that he deals with adversity and deals with the pressures of the game. And then in the crease, uh, he just looks that much more calm and he's stopping more pucks because of it to the point where he might legitimately be the Vezina Trophy winner this season. And that's not something I think I would have said at all coming into this year
3: absolutely well i think that's uh that's a good spot to end it for the podcast but we are going to continue the second half of the interview on the patreon so let's get back to the podcast and for our patreon listeners you guys can continue listening to brenda bachelor Alright guys, before we continue on with the episode, I just want to give a quick shout out to our presenting sponsor, Parallel 49 Brewing Company. Make sure to go try some of their year-round beers. I want to spotlight one special one this week, the Trash Panda, which is a hazy IPA, a northeast-style hazy IPA, huge amounts of dry hopping, give this beer complex notes of melon, tropical fruit and fruit and pear. So that's quite the combination right there. Uh, if you guys want to go out and try their restaurant, you guys can try the St. Augustine's, which is in Vancouver. That's at 2360 commercial drive. St. Augustine's is where you can find it. Or you guys can head right down to the East van location with all of their beers on tap at 1950 triumph street. Make sure to give them a follow on all social medias. You guys can find them simply at parallel 49 beer. That's parallel 49. And those are the numbers. And then beer. So go check them out and drink some Parallel Beer. Let's get back to the episode. And big shout-out to Brendan Batchelor, a former BCIT student, coming back in the studio recording that little interview with us. And as always, a big shout-out to Parallel 49 Brewing Company for giving us the beer and the presenting sponsor role on this podcast. So shout-out to them for supporting something local like the Canucks Conversation. Quads, you have been talking to someone local as well. You hear, uh, hear them on the radio station here or there uh, with their ads, uh, Rosenblatt, Dr. Rosenblatt. Yeah. I Dr. S- the name?
0: Dr. Sorrell Rosenblatt. You can hear her on those advanced concussion clinic ads, which is hilarious. I didn't even know she had a partnership with the Canucks, but I talked to her about three months back. We briefly talked about Furland, uh, had to do a follow-up with her because she was telling me a lot about concussions and teaching me a lot. Um, you know, I, when I first talked to her, it was cause I really wanted to get a nice quote, a nice juicy quote about how this is Ferland's like fifth concussion. It's really dangerous. He shouldn't come back. Uh, but she told me basically the opposite. She's like, no, these are, um, treatable injuries and he needs to make sure the first one's healed. And she said, something we can see with athletes is the first one, not fully healed. And they kind of rush back whether they know it or not, they're coming back and playing with an injured brain, which is very dangerous. So that was basically exactly what happened <laughs> to Ferland. When he came back, he played those two games against Buffalo. And then in Toronto, he threw a hit and he was out of the game. That's not good for mm-hmm. Furland. And he basically, in that interview, uh, he, did, he did like a scrum or whatever after a practice. And he was really like talking about how he knows so much more about his injuries and h- about concussions and how he really wants to make sure he's just 100% before he comes back and how he rushed through symptoms before, which what I sa- said with uh, Dr. Rosenblatt was it's very dangerous when you're rushing back to come back because you think uh, there's just a few symptoms here or there, I'll just come back really dangerous, so I learned about the six arenas of the brain, is what she called it, basically there's like, the ocular motor, the vestibular the cervical, the emotional, and the cognitive, and the sleep part of the brain, and it's all very, they all work together and she told me to think of it like a car, if one thing's not working, the whole the whole thing's not going to work properly, so she suggested that when there's an injury, like a concussion, you need to have a different specialist on each section of the brain, basically. And it's, you know, that's not NHL protocol with concussions as it stands. That's not what they have to do. Um, so, you know, not a knock on the Canucks medical staff or what what care they give their players, but John Sanderson's not a concussion doctor. Right. And that's that's the, like, you know... He, I'm sure they're doing a great job. He's got good care, and I, I know for sure he got good care this time around because yeah. he took like two and a half months after he was okay. So now I, I'm really excited to see him come back because I think he's gonna be a different player. Like I, I, you know, you can't predict injuries. But we're, I don't think we're going to see Furlan throw a body check and then be out for two months. That's not what's going to happen, I don't think. I think he's that's very the most excited. thing, exactly. getting him
3: back to being an impact player yep. and letting him come back healthy yep. from a concussion, right? And I guess what I have to ask with him is we're going to get to see him play this weekend. And uh, uh, for those who don't know, we're just going to get some live behind the scenes here. Uh, we are recording a little bit earlier today. Uh, and Corey's actually watching the Comets game right now, so hopefully we can get him on live at an intermission, uh, and we'll get a quick update like live from what he thinks about Furlan. But that's what I want to ask about, is how much can we take away... For the two games this weekend He's got a game Friday night And he's got a game Sunday afternoon A lot Because the AHL is a physical league As you know You watch a lot of games
0: Way more than I do <laughs> But uh, Furland's going to get a chance To throw his weight around He's going to get a chance To absorb some hits And he's going to see How that all feels And he's going to be skating hard It's going to be really good for him And I think you can put a lot of weight Into what he looks like In these games here He's You know I'm sure He's going to be throwing his weight around But he's not going to be going At like 100 120% Like he would If he was in a playoff game um, I, I, I'm really excited to see him come back, man. Like, yeah. just to see him skating was a really positive sign. And to hear what he was saying, like, he's very confident that he can come back and play the style of game that he needs to play in order to be successful. And I'm very excited for that.
3: And I think when he goes down to Utica, he's going to get an opportunity to skate with a lot of these players that, you know he's going to be one of the more skilled players playing with a lot of these guys. You know, yep. Whether it's with a Cole Lind or if he's skating with a Sven Berchi, like these are some guys that are, if not, maybe not NHL quality players right now, but definitely down the road they have the, the opportunity to be some NHL players. And I mean, we look at Michael Furland, we look at what kind of impact he can make on this team. He basically is a guy that's a trade deadline acquisition. That's the thing that everyone's talking about to, when he comes into this team. And I, I wonder like where he even fits with a team like this because... You have a Justin Bailey who's playing like seven minutes a game. He would be the logical guy that would come out of the lineup, I would assume. But man, like this lineup's looked pretty damn good lately, uh, especially when they're winning all these games at home and they look great winning a lot over their past, you know, I guess almost two months they've been winning like crazy. It's like, where does Michael Furlan make sense to be thrown into this lineup? I could see him on that second line with Bo Horvat, hmm. but I could also see him on that
0: fourth line, and I think he brings, you know, he brings a little more skill to that fourth line as does Justin Bailey. But Justin Bailey had a pretty poor game in the, against Chicago there. Like he was, there was a few instances where he just looked lost out there, and it was well. It, it was, seemed like Travis Green lost him because he didn't get any yeah time exactly. He didn't even get any time. Yeah, exactly. So I I think we're gonna see Furlan slot right into that fourth line, but again, like he's coming back he they're not going to push him to play like an insane like scoring hitting as hard as you can style a game right when he gets back it's going to take him some time I think to get back to the way that he was before he was even a Canuck right and I think when he gets to that point we can see him come in and play on that second line but for now I think he's going to start on the fourth line I don't think Tim Schaller's going to get in over him
3: yeah that makes a lot of sense um I guess aside from Ferlin, I know you didn't want to talk about it too much, but I know you wrote about it, and you recently got like a pretty interesting fact from doing some research about Triamkin a little bit. Uh, with how waivers works with him in a certain situation. Do you want to just touch on that because I think a lot of people didn't understand uh, the tweet that he sent out or what people actually saw there.
0: Yeah, for sure. So basically when Nikita Tramkin comes back, uh, you know, if the Canucks sign him, my whole take is that he needs to go through Utica first. I can can
3: hear the excitement in your voice. Yeah, sorry. Um, (laughs) (laughs) if
0: If he comes back and demands to play in the NHL and he's like, I need NHL minutes or I'm not coming back, send him the other way. Like, package him in a trade deal, do whatever you have to do, He's not going to mesh with Travis Green if he's demanding ice time. It's just not going to happen, and it's not going to be a good fit, I don't think. So I'd like to see him go down to the minors, earn his stripes, and do what we've seen like a Brogan Rafferty do, right? He went mm-hmm. down, and he's built his confidence up because he's played in the a- AHL, that is, and he's done very well for himself. And he's earned a call up by the- from the Canucks, and you know... He's above Triampkin on the Canucks depth chart. And yep, that's just the reality of it. And, you know, there's guys like Ole Levy, who's still trying to get healthy and he's still trying to make sure his knee's 100% and he can play the way he needs to to be successful. There's still hope for Ole Levy. And I'd like to see a guy like him get a chance over Triampkin. And you have to... You 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 just have to go down to the AHL if you're Triampkin. You can't come in after playing very okay in the KHL. Like... People have said he's played bad in the KHL. I haven't watched way, like a ton of KHL games from him. But I just I can't see him coming in and improving the Canucks defense corps. Maybe three years ago, sure. He was an okay defenseman on a very bad Canucks team. Yeah. But I'd say, like you know, Erica Branson's a better defenseman than Nikita Tramkin. So if Erica Branson came to town Ooh. and was demanding minutes, <laughs> everybody would be like, oh, get the hell out of here. But all of a sudden, because it's Trampkin, people are like, oh, he's tall. Let's give him a shot. It's like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, I don't understand this mindset of, like... He's, he can come in and play in the NHL right away and say, so, oh, my gosh, this is the best one. When people tweet at me, like, could you imagine a pairing of him and Tyler Myers, though? I'm like, oh god yeah, I have nightmares about
3: it. They like, would are set you- a record for, like, the most icings in one game because that's yeah. what, what Triumfkin did. Like, but you, you bring up a great point with Ole Olevy probably being a left-shot defenseman ahead of yeah. him on the depth chart. Yeah. And, listen, the Utica Comets are one of the better teams in the AHL. Right, like they're a team that is going to be a threat to go on and win the the Calder. Is it called the Cal? Calder. Oh God, I think it's the Calder, guy. or it's called Calder. Anyways, it's basically the same. Whatever the fucking <laughs> HL. We'll talk to Corey about this. Whatever the the HL's HL, Cup. <laughs> I think it is the Calder Cup Final. Yeah, it's Calder Cup. So they go to the Calder Cup. Um, if they bring in a Nikita Triamkin to that team. That's exciting, and that yeah. is a great job. That would be a great spot for Nikita Triamkin to win this fan base over, win guys yeah. like you over. If he comes in here and he joins the AHL for a playoff run, and he helps and he plays well, he, you know plays a good, strong game, he's a playoff-type guy for the yeah. Utica Comets, then I have all the time in the world to talk about Triamkin yeah. next year. But like you said, if he's coming in here and he's demanding to hop into the NHL, there just isn't a spot for him with Brogan Rafferty and Olya Levy sitting there. And I guess the one thing that uh, that I did want you to talk about was the waivers situation. Yes. So if we'll just wrap up the tramp and Sorry, talk about Sorry, so that. there's two sides to this coin.
0: So the, I think the wrong take is to say, yeah, he should come in and play in the NHL. And the other wrong take is the other side saying... No, they shouldn't they shouldn't extend him an offer at all even if he comes to the AHL. I'm like, are you kidding me? You don't want this guy as a depth option? You don't want him playing in the AHL like you just said in a playoff run? You don't want him playing in the AHL? Are you dumb? Like yeah. <laughs> I I don't understand that take either and it's like Anyways, sorry, before I go off on everybody on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. um, the way the waivers work, people were tweeting at me like, oh, but he's going to get claimed off waivers. And no, he is waiver exempt. If he had played one more NHL game, it'd be a different story. But if he, as soon as he plays one NHL game, he's going to require waivers. He played 79, he needed 80. Um, so as soon as he plays one game, he's going to require waivers. So the Canucks better be sure he's going to be a mainstay if they give him a regular season game at the NHL level. So if he comes in... Plays well for the Comets. Gets a shot at training camp. Hell yeah. I'd love to see him overcome all the odds and get
3: a spot in the lineup. I think 100%. that's the way that he yeah. that he gets a spot. It's next year. And it's him yeah. doing a Comets run this year because that would be yeah, awesome. Exactly. If but- you get him over there and Niels Huglander, who I'm going to be talking to his agent next week. Yeah. I want to be the guy to say that he will come here at the end of the year. So yeah. I'm gonna to talk to his agent next week. Yeah. We'll see what he has to say. Yeah. Um and that's the way. That's the path, right? Like that has to go through That's the how AHL. he would win you over. You're you've been one of the bigger haters on I wouldn't call it hater, you're one of the realists yeah. in the situation, right? Yeah, I
0: mean like you know, I don't hate Nikita Triumph and I you know, I, I'm not Yeah, You against want him person, to succeed, like, obviously. Like, I'd like, love to see like, him come like, in and be that, hype, that hype, shut down. You're defenseman. you're dying
3: the hype down a little bit because yeah. it deserves to be, right? Yeah,
0: like I just I I just don't want to see so many fans get disappointed that are like oh yeah, he can just come in and be great. I imagine him pairing with
3: Tyler Myers. It's like fuck. Yeah, that's a bad one. Okay, Quads. Before we wrap up this segment, uh, our buddy Daryl Keeping put out the uh, the top oh, yeah. sixty four. Yep. Um, so, what do you think? You got your first round matchup. You're against the Church of Patterson.
0: Well, shit, he put me up against the whole church. That's like, a tough one. I, I would have liked if he put me up against someone like soft, like that Chris Faber guy. That yeah, would have been great. Be easy, that would have been an easy matchup in the first round. No, <laughs> I'd get destroyed if I was up against you. Were, maybe like uh, Andrew Walker or something. That I was hoping nice. for Walker yeah. or someone
3: like that. But um, what do you think are some of the more intriguing matchups? I thought one of the good ones was Izzy against uh, Georgia. Oh, that's a good it's one. It's literally a, a, a couple going against each other. That's a lose-lose yeah. lose for Izzy.
0: Yeah, it <laughs> is, for sure. And Georgia Georgia put out a little uh tweet today. She was like uh she's like can't wait to take Izzy down or whatever. Like she's she's demolish yeah, him, I think. She's, she's taking said. this yeah, she's taking this very seriously. But threat, uh the big
3: like. one is Eddie Lack and Roberto Luongo. who's coming out of one. the bracket with that one.
0: Lou, I think, because Lou uh Lou DM'd Daryl and he was like he's like, I can't wait to dust that bum lack off the <laughs> off the board and it's like I can't wait for that, yeah. And I saw somebody tweeted at Eddie. They were like, uh, make like the Heritage Classic and move on from it. And I was like, <laughs> oh, my gosh. It
3: was like That's bad. great. Okay, I'd well, I'd like to, I'd like to say
0: I think Andrew Walker might be a wild card here. Like, I really like Vanessa. Really? But I think Andrew Walker, he's got that PM drive show on 650. They've got some listeners. He they could, do. He could definitely like do a next. Sack nice could campaign. carry him into the. Yes, yeah, Sack could a bit. carry him through, and yeah, like. Know whose
3: name I've been seeing going very far in this bracket because a lot of people are sending in their versions of the bracket. Is the S seven design? Oh, oh that's, that's a, a good he's one. He's been going. He's going deep. I've seen a I lot of brackets him. call him like into the final th- eight, final four. Yeah, and Bailey's Bailey Meadows. Bailey is doing is
0: too, a charitable yeah. donation for right. all the votes he gets. So that's I'll be smart. voting
3: for him, even if I match up against him. If you beat the church, you're up against Bailey's second round. If you can beat Aldi. Oh, shit. I didn't so, even yeah, see there that. There you go with that. Um, so I'm, I'm quickly looking at the four big brackets. There's the Botchford division. There's the Judge bracket, which is an incredible name. Um, I'm wondering who your favorite out of each. Like, let's set up like yep. a final four. So mine, I'll go first because I've done this a few times. I'll give you a chance to look at the names. Uh, but I got JPAT coming out of this division up top left. Uh, I got Thomas Drantz coming out of this division. I got Dan Murphy coming out of this one. And I've got Harmon Dial coming out of the bottom right. So my final four is JPAT, Drancer, Murph, and Harm. Uh, do you got anyone else beating some of those for? No, those are the ones I have. Yeah. Like, I, I think this is Murph's thing to lose. Like, really? I think Murph's. Got I think this. it's Harm's to lose.
0: Oh, Harm might be good. Yeah. Now, harm might be good for sure. Murph
3: is a good pick because he's, I think he's probably got the most followers out of everyone on yeah. this list. I don't think anyone knows. But is he going to campaign? 000. That's true. He's been campaigning against, he's seen the tweet and I saw him reply to it. What'd he say? So he's aware of it. I think he said he's not going to campaign at all. Well, neither is Drance, unless he matches up with JPAT. Yeah, that's going to be a good one. If <laughs> yeah. they get in the final on that left side. Yeah, that's... Yeah, that, that's, that's this. Well, is the final four that could be set up would be JPAT versus Drancer, and it would be Murph versus Harm. And, like, nah, that would be a fun one. And, and this is awesome that Daryl's putting this on. I know a lot of people have been like, oh, I didn't make the top 64, that sucks, or yeah, they didn't yeah. include us in this. And obviously, like, you know, that, that part's going to happen, and I think Daryl knew that he was probably going to get some hate from this. Yeah, and, exactly. And he has, we've seen a lot of it, but... You know, like I I agree with a lot of the people in this top 64. There's some amazing people on this list that are you know content creators or just people around Twitter. Mm -hmm. Like you know having Clay Emo in here, having guys like Blake Price who's been around here for a long time. Jay Swings are a great example. Like Wyatt. Uh, as a day who's a friend of yours great to have her i in love there that as she's well. on there because she's um, like she's like i just ship post i don't know what people see in me and it's even like, the, so funny you know Bagsy gets into this top 64 yeah. he deserves to be there yeah, he does there a lot go. of great work they're doing daily canucks content over there Yeah, exactly. um and even uh my first round matchup danielle huntley uh who does I think our best post games at Canucks are hundred yeah. percent. You and me both write post games, but hers yeah. are hers are awesome and also she for her. video clips. Yeah, I <laughs> bet you are. You still wanna run into me. Um, did not in the final. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's it's it's a cool setup. And if you guys haven't checked it out, it's on Daryl Keeping's page. You guys can find it. Uh D Keeper is I believe his Twitter account. Yeah, yeah. yeah so check him out there. Um, aside from that, let's just jump into our next segment here, which is gonna be riding the bus with Cory Hergott.
2: McEwen into the goal and he scores what a play by Zach McEwen who draws the comments to within one a little shimmy shake
3: All right, guys. Joining us now for the ride in the bus segment, all the way from the Sunshine Coast. I nailed it that time, Corey Hergott. Corey, how you doing today, buddy?
2: I'm doing well Chris how are you
3: good uh, mid game we're getting you here because we are recording a little bit earlier on this Friday and what a game it's been a lot of storylines to take away from it already but the first one I want to talk about is kind of the breaking news that we just saw on Twitter uh, Michael Furlan not out there for the second period like you're reporting uh, and now we hear that he's not going to be remaining not going to be coming back for any part of this game because of concussion like symptoms what do you have to say Corey what have you heard
2: uh he he left kind of midway through the first and uh i didn't really see anything that led to him uh you know i didn't see him take a hit i didn't see him hit anybody uh you know obviously no fight or anything like that so uh, uh it could just be that you know the, the physical activity is what uh you know brought on the, the concussion like symptoms i mean it doesn't seem like a great sign for the guy probably a good idea for you know for him to you know pack it in for the rest of the season
0: Yeah, like, I went on a rant earlier in this episode, hey, by the way, hey Corey, I didn't even introduce myself, hey, um, anyways, uh, I went on a rant earlier this episode, kind of about, uh, how Furland, this time, really, I thought he was gonna stay healthy, because, you know, I'd spoken to a concussion doctor, and she was, she was saying similar things that he was saying, and he was saying he was very confident that he'd come back, so, I was really hoping that he'd be able to stay healthy here, but... I know you said there was nothing in particular, but was he, like, skating hard? Like, there had to be something. Was it, like, was there any bumps that he took, anything like that?
2: All I saw, really, from Michael Furland in uh, in his shifts in the game, like, I can't even tell you how many he had. I know there were two that uh, stick out to me, and one he kind of uh, reached out for a puck. It was a little out of his reach. Like, he just didn't have quite the... Quite the uh, the jump to get to it, so yeah. it wasn't anything like that. Unless it was just exerting himself, and uh, another another play, he uh, you know picked off a pass in his own end, tipped it out to towards the neutral zone, and uh, tipped it a little too far for his own reach, and couldn't kind of catch up to it. So uh, I didn't see, like I say, I didn't see anything that would have uh, you know in theory uh, brought on any kind of concussion symptoms, aside from just physical exertion, and sometimes that can be all it takes.
3: Corey, we we've talked about this right before we went to start recording this here. Um, You know, I guess what we talk about all the time, whether it's on K Rock or here on this show, is the AHL team almost you know copies what's going on at the NHL level. And the game that we have going on right now, which we got you in the second intermission for, sure seems like what we saw against Chicago, but maybe even more to you know the lopsided shot totals. We see, I'm, I'm looking at the the box score right now, Corey. I see 33 shots for the Syracuse Crunch and I see 13 for the Utica Comets. Um, what the hell's going on this game, Corey? This is not uh, looking good for the comments.
2: Well it's, it's like I tweeted out Mikey Di is earning his paycheck tonight along with uh, the paychecks of maybe uh, a few few of his teammates uh syracuse is just all over utica right now it's uh, the comets can't seem to get anything going they can't seem to get out of their end once uh once syracuse gets in there and then once they get down into the syracuse end uh it's like they uh they don't know what they're doing it's it's a pretty rough looking game from the comet
3: standpoint today uh they all look pretty flat at the moment and so like i said we what we just saw with jacob markstrom when that happened to vancouver canucks was he was playing outstanding so what's um What's DiPietro looked like? Because, I mean, even if they are getting absolutely dominated, he's only let in two goals on 33 shots. That's still pretty good
2: numbers. Yeah, and you know what? The the first goal that beat him was uh, probably one that uh, I hate saying this because every goalie wants every goal back, but uh, that's probably one that he would want back. Uh, okay. It wasn't a great goal that beat him, the first one. Uh, the, the second one, I don't think he could have done a, a ton on, but, uh, uh you know, he, he's diving, he's sprawling, he's making all the saves that that, uh, that he has to make in, in the kind of ways that he's having to make them in this game. Uh, you know, Syracuse is kind of shooting from everywhere. They're getting in behind the, the defense for some uh, some opportunities, and Di Pietro's
3: come up big a couple of times on that end of things. Well, this is what happens when you go out to a country concert. I don't, and I'm don't. i not saying just going out. <laughs> I say this is what happens when you listen to country music, because we know that they all went out to a country concert. Uh, Brett Young, I believe it was yesterday, uh, but um, Corey I want to ask a little bit About um, some of the players That I guess have to step up In certain situations here because I heard Ashton Sautner Is now on the mend right now So I'm wondering are we, see- we going to have to see more Out of a guy like Olia Levy who's going to have to take more minutes On that left side
2: well this is where it's interesting because sautner doesn't do a ton on the power play for the team but he is definitely one of their minute eaters on the uh penalty kills so today we're seeing uh stefan leblanc who's on an ahl deal and dylan blue just who's also on an ahl deal those guys are kind of uh filling the slack a little bit on that side of things in sautner's place uh yule levy's still out there on the kill with uh with chatfield and uh We've seen, I think, one power play from the Comets, and uh, we didn't get to see the second unit on that one with uh, with Yule Levy out there, so I can't really say who, uh, who else is on that second unit with them. But, yeah, uh, everybody's going to kind of have to step up. And the other thing that we saw here towards the end of the period is Brogan Rafferty took a pretty uh, rough hit at the uh, offensive blue line, uh, and he headed off the ice in discomfort, so we'll have to see if he ends up coming back out for the third period.
3: Ah oh, man, it's uh, it doesn't sound like a great game for you, Corey. Uh, but no, it's not. No, but maybe I mean there is Sunday game, but I mean just similar. Like it's it's funny I keep bringing this up, but how similar it is to the NHL and the AHL. The Comets don't have much games this week, and neither do the Vancouver Canucks. They only play Wednesday, Sunday, and Wednesday. Uh, the Canucks do, and the Comets only play, I believe, Friday, Sunday, and next Friday. Uh, So it is nice to get a little bit of a break for these guys, especially with these banged up injuries and stuff. But we, we had a big conversation earlier on in the podcast about what we think the best route for Nikita Triamkin would be. And I said to win over a lot of Canucks fans, if he came back here and jumped on this Utica team and did a playoff run with the Utica Comets and then comes to training camp next year for the Vancouver Canucks, like how perfect of a situation would that be? Do you think that there's any chance that we might see that later on this year?
2: Well, I'm sure that, uh, you know, Trent Cull would welcome him with open arms down in Utica. I'm not necessarily sure that uh, Nikita would be yeah. <laughs> all that eager to go there but uh, no I agree it would certainly win over uh, you know fans and management to you know maybe if he can uh, maybe it would be a wise idea for him to kind of suck it up and, and uh, go down there and do that for for a good playoff run I mean I, I do I've said it so many times this year if this Comets team is actually you know healthy and accounted for uh, by the time the playoffs roll around and they're in the playoffs they're going to be a handful they like they're managing to squeak out some wins here in games that uh, you know they're down a goal and they come back and battle back and then they're down a goal and they come back and battle back you know we've seen them win games by outscoring teams you know if you if they're winning games by 3 or 4 goals it's you know, i kind of figure that's more the other they they might be having a good night and the other teams having a poor night if they're going to win in the playoffs they're not going to see that you know, very many of those kinds of games. So, all these games that they're in right now against divisional opponents, and they're having to play a playoff style of hockey. Like the, co- I, I, I'm not counting the comments out in this game by any means. I've, I've yeah. seen it, too, seen this movie too many times in the AHL where teams can be up two or three goals and end up losing the game by two or three. So, uh, I don't count the comments out just yet. They've got another period of action to play here, and uh, Pietro's. You know, aside from that one kind of sketchy goal, he's been. You know pretty hot so there's a good chance that he can you know put the team on his back here and uh you know all it takes is a good uh good shift from reed boucher and and uh, nikolai goldobin and and we've got a, a tie game right
0: yeah totally now before we wrap up Corey, i gotta ask you what's your favorite Sedin memory
2: Oh, my favorite Sedin memory, first one that jumps to mind to me is that uh, Daniel Sedin goal against Kiprasov on that face-off win in uh, in the Calgary end uh, through his legs. Uh, That I mean, that was Sedinery at its finest. Uh, That's the very first thing that popped, popped into my head when you said that, so it obviously stuck out to me.
3: Well, Corey, they uh, they got the soccer balls off the ice with those big uh, bouncy whatever the hell they're wearing at the <laughs> AHL intermission. I see the Zambonis wrapping up. Uh, so we'll let you go. We'll let you get back to your action. I appreciate you doing a mid-game hit for the first time here on the Canucks conversation.
2: Yeah, that was a first for me. Uh, we might have to try this again. It was kind of fun.
3: Yeah, it was. It's uh, a lot of emotion I could hear in your voice there, Corey. <laughs> not not great. Em- well, I mean, great emotion, but maybe not uh, happy emotion. But we'll see. Like you yeah. mentioned, though, it, it's it's two shifts away from being a tie game. So we'll see how this one finishes up. And I'm sure people can follow along with you as a lot of people are probably doing right now at Corey, Hergot on Twitter and find the post game games, all that stuff on Canucks army. So thanks for doing this this week, Corey.
2: Hey, hang on a second. Uh, stay stick, uh, stay tuned to Canucks army here in the coming days. Mm-hmm. I had a fantastic interview this week with Trent call and I spent 40 minutes on the phone today with Ashwin Patel. He's the Comets, uh, mental health skills and development coach and uh it was a fascinating uh experience talking to him the the Comets kids are in really really good hands down there with all all the uh resources that they have at their at their disposal and uh just stay tuned for that I'm excited uh, for that to come out
3: for sure well Corey we got a couple minutes here with uh they're still doing the ice what are a couple of things that kind of I guess you didn't know that came out of these conversations
2: well, one of the things I'll spill it here on the radio because or are on your uh, show here because
3: Better uh, I'm, than radio. Sure,
2: I'm sure it'll be out by then anyway. But, uh, I asked Trent Cole, uh, yesterday, uh, you know, I mentioned that Mikey had Mikey DiPietro had five of the team's six wins in January and, uh, he's got more wins overall and he's getting the bulk of the starts. I asked, is, uh, DiPietro taking the starter's role and, and, uh, basically confirmed it he said uh, you know he's earned our trust uh, when we go out there right now we're in a playoff uh, you know stretch here and, and we're going out there with a team that gives us the best chance to win and, and he's the guy that gives us the best chance to win right now so Mikey DiPietro is your number one goalie in Utica right now and uh, I think that's a huge huge feather in his cap for a guy that uh, you know he came into this season I, I kind of thought he might even start the year down in the ECHL just to get minutes so right. he's certain, he certainly uh, uh, proved that theory wrong and uh, he's taken the ball and run with it as soon as the coach showed any kind of confidence in him and uh, that's great for the kid.
3: That's the thing that I, I mentioned when I was on with the K-Rock guys today is you know we looked at Thatcher Demko and I kind of forgot that you know even though it was his rookie season he also had you know time in the NCAA that Mikey DiPietro didn't this is a kid who came right out of junior right and that's uh, that's the thing that I guess I haven't really thought of lately because I both thought it was their rookie season but the fact that Diego Pietro's at this level already I think is so impressive but uh final thing I wanted to ask about so I guess the article that's coming out I know you talked a lot um about the certain situations that some of these players are in on special teams as well was there anything that they talked about uh with either of the power play or penalty kill like was there any players that have stuck out to Trent Cull that uh he thought have had a good season so far
2: well one of the things I I did mention uh the that uh about Lucas Yashik taking a role on the penalty kill this year and and that was something that uh that you know, he confirmed You know, Lucas didn't start the year out on the power play and uh, they wanted to make sure they were getting minutes for him. So they started working him into the penalty kill and they're using him as a centerman. And uh, Trent Cole's words, I'm going to, this is paraphrasing, but basically what he said was they told Lucas that, You know, if he's going to get to the NHL and be a player at that level, he's going to need to be a utility player that can play the middle and play the wing and win faceoffs and be defensively responsible. And and that's kind of where they're kind of shaping and molding him by the sounds of it right now. And I think, uh, you know, all things considered with the other wingers uh, and the other kind of highly offensive types of players that are ahead of him on the depth chart, I think that kind of bodes well for for where he can go down the road with this team.
3: I love it. That's uh, one word for that is development. And I think that's what a lot of people have wanted to see. Uh, Okay, Corey, we'll wrap it up there. I'm excited to read this article that you got going on because uh, I know you put in a lot of work. We've been uh, in the group chat talking about it a little bit. So, uh, yeah, Canucks Army should be out when this episode's out uh, or just maybe a couple hours after it drops at 5 a.m., but we'll definitely be retweeting that from all the accounts because I know it's going to be a great read. appreciate that, Corey, and appreciate your time. So uh, we'll let you get back to the game. I see the lights are starting to come on here uh, after the second period. So enjoy the rest of the game, Corey. We'll do this again next week.
2: Sounds good, guys. Talk to you then.
3: Zephyr
0: Epic is Canada's source for trading card games and
3: sports cards.
0: They ship free anywhere in Canada on orders over $50 before taxes. And Canucks Conversation podcast listeners can save $5 off their order with promo code CanucksConvo. That's all one word, promo code Canucks Convo. You can shop online or at their retail store located in Surrey. Once again, that was Zephyr Epic. You can follow them on social media to be part of monthly contests and ticket giveaways. Search Z-E-P-H-Y-R Epic on all platforms. And a huge thank you to Zephyr Epic for providing us with some cards. It's become a tradition for Faber and I to open cards before every episode. We opened some with Brendan Bachelor last night, so a huge thank you to Zephyr Epic. You can go check them out, Z-E-P-H-Y-R-Epic.com. They have a good sale on right now. Actually, it's like 30% off a bunch it's a of stuff there. Long
3: weekend with like five O's. Yes, the epic long weekend. It's awesome. You guys <laughs> should definitely go check it out for sure. 30% off a bunch of cards and use our promo code. And they just tweeted us back. Uh, they said, yes, you can use the promo code and you can use their 30% Ooh, off discount. So throw your uh, promo code Canux Convo, all one word, no capitals on any of the letters, just Canux Convo, all one word. And uh, use that for five dollars off use it this weekend too it's a great time to use it and send us a tweet because something that we pulled in the packs was a free box of cards for somebody so if you tweet us you using the promo code maybe we'll uh, we'll send you a free yeah, maybe box we'll fire of
0: cards. it off to somebody it's a sure. good deal
3: it's like a hundred dollar value for that free card that you pulled um, big polls from this week did you have anything
0: uh, no, not really, man. Like you had that big energy, the Brock Bester card, and you had a clear last cut, card too, clear cut insert as big well. Big Brock I got energy. That, I got that numbered Alex Radulov card, which yep. is probably my that's, best. Pull. That was a huge card. We
3: that's yeah. our first numbered card yet. Yeah, yeah. And for it people is. who don't know what numbered cards are, um, it's basically they only have for that one there was only a hundred of those made, and yours was number ninety six or something yeah, out of hundred, yeah, like which that. is cool because I've never pulled. A numbered card. I feel like those are the most rare cards. Yeah, they are, I think. I had a clear-cut parallel, which was very cool. Um, And, yeah, the Pure Energy Brock Besser super stoked with that. Um, And speaking of them, they are sponsoring our weekly poll question that we're going to put out to you guys. And this one was a runaway quads. Just so you know, you put out this poll. When you put out a poll, you want it to be somewhat equal. But it must have been tough for you this week (laughs) because Markstrom stole the show. The perfect poll is 25% for all four. Or yeah. if you use two people, yeah. 50% So yeah, that's, exactly. the, that's the business. Markstrom, Sutter, Pedersen, or other. Markstrom ran away with this one with 91.9% of the vote. Um, so Twitter says Markstrom. What says you, Quad? Markstrom. Yeah. I also say Markstrom.
0: <laughs> that's from 298 voters, by the way. Mm-hmm. Those people all said Markstrom, and I also say Markstrom. You know, Brandon Sutter had a good game, and Pedersen was on that list as well. Pettersson, I think Sutter actually had points in all of his games this week. I think he he had a pretty good week for himself. But you know, nobody had a better week than Jacob Markstrom. And I don't think there's any disputing that. Jacob Markstrom was the reason the Canucks won that game in Chicago or, in Chicago against Chicago. Mm-hmm. They
3: were he was awesome in that game and he really was an oh. epic Canuck of the week. He most definitely was. And if you look at his game against Nashville, he makes thirty six of thirty eight saves. You know, kicks off the homestand, kicks off Sadine Week with a huge win. That game only lets in two goals. And, I mean, like, just looking at what he's put up so far, that's 87 87- Shots against, and only two goals have gone past him this week So he wins, Sedin Week, And also, I guess that's something that I kind of wanted to talk about a little bit I mean, it's we can't really have much of a discussion here Jacob from dominated this week, yeah. he's the Zephyr player of the week But I wanted to talk about the schedule that the Canucks have a little bit As we kind of wrap up the show here Um The final thing I wanted to kind of talk about was Man, they don't really have a lot of games This is a good little stretch for them to have a little bit of a breather I mean, they yes. played on Wednesday, they play on Sunday And then they play next Wednesday So... Within that you know six or seven day gap from Thursday to next Wednesday, only two games, and that's that's gonna be great for a team who's already sitting at home right now. Oh yeah, exactly, and it's it's good for the Canucks. The worst of their schedule is
0: officially over, and mm-hmm. you know the, uh, everybody was talking about how bad their November schedule was, but then I, I don't want to use the word predicted, but I wrote on Canucks Army in. December that January and February were going to be harder months for the Canucks than November was and you know it wasn't quite that bad but you know they did have a tough schedule in January and February uh so it's 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 really good to see that the worst of their schedule is behind them now and I think they're really gonna have a good a really good chance to really gear up to finish finish strong with this playoff push and you know 95% chance of making the playoffs
3: at the time of this recording so it's a lot of home games coming up so there's only there's only actually a one four game road trip left there's one three game road trip left and then there's two two game road trips left everything else is at home there's a lot of home games coming up for the Vancouver Canucks they obviously have a great record at home this year the best home record in the NHL as we stand right now which is incredible for them and I think this day's off is Is good, but bad because man, all that energy that was in the arena on Wednesday is something that you just want to, you know, go out for your pregame skate and you just want to get out there the next day. And that's that could hurt them, but I think with their record at home, they should be totally fine with that. Um, so moving forward, uh, I guess there's not too much more. Is there anything else you wanted to mention before we close out the episode? Other than Furland. Not much, but here are, here's what we have okay. say about Furland. Yeah, uh, we so. just got an update. You know, I was talking
0: earlier on the episode how I was so happy to see Furland come back and, you know, not have anything. Rick Dollywall just tweeted out that Furland has concussion-like symptoms and is done for the night. Uh, that is really tough to hear. It's really sad for Michael Furland, so you'll have to dismiss what I was saying earlier in the Ooh. podcast because I was really excited about him coming back, but... Uh,
3: you know, at this
0: point, it's
3: uh, it's, it's sad, but you it's know, really it's sad. People say that pod, whatever you say on a podcast, ages so fast. Literally, we recorded that thirty minutes ago, and it's already aged out. but it's too old like, news. But I damn. mean, you know what? I wonder about this, and maybe this is something you can follow up with Doctor Roseblad. But you know, like, is this mean that you know he's had so much time off now? Does this mean that like a recovery can even happen? Right? Like this is this first time yeah. he's been out on ice skating. Um he didn't skate a lot in that first period from what we're hearing from Corey Hergott as well. But yeah, he shut down for the night as Rick and Corey just reported on Twitter. Yeah. Tough to see, man. You know, like he's making this return to hockey, something he wants to do so bad, and just it just didn't happen for him tonight.
0: Yeah, you you really have to wonder like you know, I know he's being careful, so that's what's that's gives you a bit of peace of mind. Like Maybe he did get a little bit of, you know, whatever it may be, like, dizziness, whatever, and he went right to the room. Like, that's good that he's not trying to play through anything, because he wants to get back more than anything. Um, So it's really good to see that he's not trying to play through anything, but, you know, we're going to have to wait and see, right? Because, you know, the last time he left with concussion-like symptoms, he was out for the next two months. So you, you definitely worry about that for sure. And it's it's really tough to see him go down again. You just feel bad for the guy.
3: Yeah, and you know, we're, we're not going to talk about it too much right now even or like we're not even much more for the rest of the podcast because I think a lot of news is going to come out this weekend that's going to yep. make this pointless anyway. So yeah, we're going to we'll see what happens week. here. Uh, we are going to have a ride in the bus or we just had a ride in the bus segment with Corey Hergott. Uh, so yeah, you can check in on a little bit of that. Uh, big shout out to him for joining us. I want to give a huge shout out to Doug and Pete from the Canucks Speak Easy podcast. Uh, one of my favorite podcasts, and I think an underrated one. They don't get uh, as much as some of the other ones do But they are way better than some of the ones that do get listeners uh, So check them out on Twitter At Canucks Speak. And uh, they've been doing a great job Kind of similar to what I was doing Before with the show With yeah. bringing on people From Canucks Twitter That have cool stories I had a guy on last week Disco Stu Who uh, a lot of people know on Twitter He's in the top 64 He lives in Thailand I heard really? on the podcast The other day wow. He's a Canucks fan from Thailand So hearing that story Was pretty awesome And just hearing about uh, How he watches games from Thailand Was great As always Big shout out to our sponsor Our presenting sponsor That is Parallel 49 Brewing Company We were in talks with them Today about setting up The live show They're super interested in that uh, I guess we can tell them the funny story of what they said with the email because they just got a new marketing director there um and she said that uh so i put on my canucks first sponsored by parallel 49 and she said that like she thought they were having an emergency or something i don't know if they thought they like posted like a really bad tweet or something or some sort of weird thing was on their social (laughs) media because she's like our social media just went nuts so everybody that you know comments on it we get like a 100 plus people every time on the canucks first she thought that there was like an emergency going on because it was her first day seeing the canucks first uh, uh so that was funny she's She's very excited about that And Parallel always is I'm excited to keep them on uh, We just renewed up with them for three more months So excited for that moving forward And excited about the, the uh, show that we're going to be able to put on for the live show And I told you about it We got the band who does our oh, intro Oh yeah
0: I'm very excited
3: for the live show So that should be tons of fun um, If you guys want to support the Patreon You can hear the full Brendan Bachelor interview You guys can check that out Patreon.com slash Canucks Convo And t-shirts quads What's the deal for February? Yeah, anybody who subscribes to the Hero Tier, you're getting a t-shirt,
0: and you're getting a sticker, and you're getting some hockey cards, too. But
3: what else do they get from the Hero Tier if there are for our monthly giveaways? And we talked about that one more time? Oh, yeah, we'll talk about that again. You're going to be getting a signed Quinn
0: Hughes photo, and we're very excited to be giving that to one lucky Patreon subscriber. Uh, it's going to be absolutely awesome, and we'd like to see, if you get it, we'd like to see you record your reaction to opening the package you get from <laughs> us because that'll
3: be awesome to see. Absolutely. As we close out the show, thank you guys so much for listening to the Canucks Conversation this week. Uh, the final thing I wanted to bring up was we got two of them in this week, and thank you very much for the people that did a couple of five-star reviews. If you guys got some time here as the episode's closing out uh, and you've already all caught up on the past couple, just go to... Apple Podcasts And I know If you're listening You probably subscribe already If you don't Please subscribe But if you want to If you want to help us out Give us a rate and review You just hit the search bar Search up Canucks Conversation Click that big icon Of our logo And go to review Give us a five star review Say something nice About the podcast Because we really appreciate it And it helps us move up The Apple Podcast algorithm I don't know how that stuff works Don't know how it works But we've been moving up So thank you very much For tuning in this week My co-host name is David Quadrelli My name is Chris Faber And thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Canucks Conversation